turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We are looking at verses 6 through the end of the chapter. If you would please follow with me as we read the Word of God. Now this I say, He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. As it is written, he scattered abroad and he gave to the poor and his righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in everything with all liberality, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only fully supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing through many thanksgivings to God. Because of the proof given by this ministry, they will glorify God for your obedience to your confession of the gospel of Christ and for the liberality of your contribution to them and to all. While they also, by prayer on your behalf, yearn for you because of the surpassing grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. Father, help us to see. Give us eyes this day to see your word and to understand that you are able. Father, let us understand that we are but pilgrims passing through. That, Father, our, uh, our homes, our souls, our inheritance is in heaven. And, Father, may we be good stewards of the amazing things that you've blessed us. But, Father, may we be overwhelmed with gratitude to the King of kings and Lord of lords for our salvation and all the amazing blessings you have bestowed upon each and every one of us. Help us, Lord. Help us to have ears to hear. Help us to have eyes to see. And help us to have open souls that says, Yes, Father, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Christ's name, amen. I'm looking at God's prosperity. Okay, and when I think about God's prosperity, most people will shift on to the car and the house and all these other things that we do. And all I can tell you is as much love as I can muster at this moment is that's nothing but greed. All right. I've been doing some research over years, decades, actually. I spent a lot of time in history and I look at different historical events and one that you have to pay attention to it at, at, at time is false religions. Okay, I know that everybody, well, well, there's a bunch of them. Okay, I can, I can kind of summarize it down into two packages. You either are saved by grace or you're doing it yourself. And I don't care what doing it yourself is. You can give it any name you want. You're doing it yourself. But one of the things that I have watched of man's false religion and Satan's false religion is... They, they want to worship that that gives them stuff. Okay? That's the essence of all of it. Okay? I, I don't care what name you hang on it. Okay? What am I going to get? 
Okay, give me some stuff. Give me some stuff. Pretty much every false religion has that as a basis to it. Uh, I was doing some research and I read a book years ago called Charismatic Chaos. And, and I had was running into things. I, I love World War II history. And one of the phenomenons that had come out of World War II was a lot of the South Pacific islands had never seen white people. Okay. They'd never seen anybody outside of their island. Okay. And all of a sudden now you've got these massive ships showing up with stuff. There were actually altars built to Zippo lighters. Okay. You know, they, they had, I I remember seeing a picture, of course it was all grainy, and they had built an idol to an aircraft carrier. And they had made it out of sticks and woven palm branches and all the rest of it. And they were waiting for the return of the aircraft carrier. Because it would bring them stuff. Okay. Well, when missionaries started kind of island hopping around on these places, they were very ineffective. You know why? No stuff. They didn't bring them any stuff. Okay. You know, that's the church today. You go look at a church today and you tell me what is there. Because most people go to a given church because of the stuff. What do you got? Okay. And I mean, I don't care what it is. Well, it's the style of music. Well, you're wanting stuff. Okay. Uh, and, and And I see this all over the place. And basically, if I was to classify it, I would classify it as this. Self indulgent. Okay. People want to worship for personal fun. I remember a church and they were going to take their youth to Mexico and they were going to build a foundation for, I don't know what it was for, I don't know, a church, a school or something like that. And so they got all of these high school kids together. Okay. And I mean, they had a bunch of them, about 200. And they went to Mexico to, uh, Lay this foundation. Lay cinder block. Okay? Took them two days. They're there for seven. The other five days they water skied. And we called it a missions trip. Fascinating. We do it for personal pleasure, for personal satisfaction. It's not what it's not that here in Castle Rock that we have not been exposed and heard of the quote-unquote prosperity message. Uh, I mean, go look at it. I mean, you know, people say, well, do you watch such and such on TV or such and such? No, I do not watch Christian TV. Okay, it's a little disheartening for me, to be honest with you. Uh, There are two shows that are on Christian TVs and that, that I would watch, but they are both on when I'm working. So I don't watch them. Okay? Other than that, I, I don't, I don't want to hear it. Um, uh, it's, we, we think that the prosperity message is, is new, but it's always been in false religion. Okay? It was funny because we were involved as soon as the Iron Curtain collapsed in Russia. And... When that collapsed, there was a huge door open and the prosperity boys were rolling. 
okay? And um, I remember, I think it was in Kiev, uh, that there was a group of them there, and they had their movie cameras and all the rest of it. And they were, he said, we're just going to the different churches and videoing it. And uh, a number of us were over there actually teaching. And they said, well, what are you going to do with it? He says, well, we take it back to our church, and if we play this on our big screen, our offerings go up 20%. I said, well, are you going to do anything? Uh, no. I know some people right now who are in Israel filming the garden tomb. Okay. So that they can put it on their big screens for uh, Easter. It's the only reason they're over there is to film the garden tomb. And they will put it up on their video for Easter service. And they said that they will probably have between a 10 and 20% increase in giving because of the video. What is that? What is that? It has always been there, and the message of prosperity uh, is, is an easy message. And you got to understand this. Paul warned Timothy, men will not hear sound words and will heap to themselves teachers that do what? Tickle their ears. I don't want to be convicted. I don't want to be condemned. I don't want to be pushed into something. I don't want to be manipulated. I want you to make me feel good because I had a bad week. You know what's amazing about that text? It hits me the most. They will heap to themselves teachers. You know what that means? There's a bunch of them. It's not hard to find teachers that do that. Why? It's easy. Let me tell you how much Jesus loves you. And he wants you to have... Stuff. All this stuff. Because remember, he did say, I want you to have life abundantly. Right? And you can take the human being and say, well, what is abundance? Whatever I want. And I want my life abundantly. I looked at a 67 Stingray this week at auction in uh, 427 large block. Three, two barrels. Headers, stock numbers across, stock number for the transmission, stock number for the body, stock number for the motor. And I'm like, right on. I want it. So I made an offer on it. So I didn't pay no attention to it because if the company that I work with, if you get it, they notify. I didn't get nothing back. Uh, I had offered uh, $4,500. It's totaled. Okay, it had some body damage on it, so it was on a salvage title. A little body work on it. Phew. I'll be sitting on a gold mine. Thing sold for $35,000. A salvage certificate car. And I said, God's not giving me no stuff. <laughs> so, so, so I got my little box. And I found my Zippo lighter and said, there you go. <laughs> and I'm feeling better already. Just kidding. The prosperity gospel is alive and well in your community, people. It's in the United States. It's in Castle Rock. And you know what I have learned is that it's not even close to what God's true path to prosperity is. Okay? He is concerned about our material needs. I don't want you to ever doubt that. He is concerned. And he has promised to take care of it. Okay? He said, if you walk in my righteousness, you shall never hunger nor thirst. 
sounds pretty good. I also showed you two weeks ago that he is able. He is able to make all grace abound to you. He is infinite grace and he can make infinite grace abound to you. And you will always have all sufficiency in everything in an abundance for every good deed. That's God's path to prosperity. The problem is, is that God's prosperity will be according to his word, not the will of men, nor the words of men. Chapter 9, verse 6 is the simplest statement in all of scripture. And it tells you what his way, his plan, his path is. I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Okay? I mean, that's really straightforward, simple. You don't have to be a Greek scholar to figure out what he's telling you there. It is what we call a self-evident truth. Okay? It's like that one you've heard. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men are created equal. I don't have to debate that. I don't have to argue it. I don't have to prove it. If I sow sparingly, I will reap sparingly. The more seed I sow, what happens? The bigger the harvest. The more crops I bring in. What you give determines what you receive. Okay? We all agree with that. It's obvious. The more I sow, the larger the crop. And the great philosopher would say, duh. Right? That is God's path to prosperity. Sowing is giving. Sowing is giving. When you give a lot, God gives back a lot. Luke 6, 38. Give and it shall be given to you. Pressed down, overflowing, dumped in your lap. Unless it's a Corvette. Okay, and then I, I don't get dumped in the lap. Okay. Paul is reminding the Corinthians that they need to give and they need to give generously and they need to give faithfully. They had had some problems. And uh, those have been resolved. Chapter 7. And then 8 and 9, he says, back to the issues that are at hand. And the, the hurting, suffering saints that were in Jerusalem. That's what he's taking up the collection for. So what you see is he goes in chapter 8 and chapter 9. And he says, I'm going to give you three motivations for doing this. Okay, the first one was the Macedonian examples. Follow them. They are suffering. They are poor. They are oppressed and yet they are giving and begging to give more and they are giving sacrificially. Then verse 10, he says of chapter 8, he says, let me explain to you the money and how it will be handled. So that we have integrity in what we're doing. So as he's doing that, he is informing them. So he says, here's the example. Here's the information. And then now in verse 6 of chapter 9 and following, he says, this is going to be your benefit. You'll have a benefit in here. And in the beginning of verse 7, 
he see, you see the path of prosperity. But he gives you the basis of it in verse 6. So sparingly, we'll reap sparingly. It's that simple. And you know what? We looked at it last week. Malachi says, test him. Test him. I mean, we ask ourselves, is he able? And we all say, well, you don't understand. No, you don't. He is able. Okay, now listen, I want to kind of give you, I, I have to keep this thing going for all five points because this isn't the best out of five. Okay, you have to keep all of these together. All right, if you want to see God to God literally supernaturally prosper you. Okay, and it has to be what you've purposed in your heart. So it's going to be a heart issue first. Okay. God presents a need. You step up to the plate for the need. It's that simple. All right. You sow sparingly to the need. You will reap sparingly to the need. You sow bountifully to the need. You will reap bountifully to the need. Okay, and it's going to be in kind. I can't go plant corn seed and expect to get tomatoes. All right, if I give money, then what am I going to get back? Money. If I give time, what am I going to get back? Time. All right, so it's going to be in kind. He's not going to change it. You know, well, if I give money, then that means I'll just get time. No. You give time, you'll get time. You give money, you'll get money. You give possessions, you'll get possessions. It's money, it's material, it's possessions. And God will bring it back in its kind. That's the context. The crop of the harvest will be the same nature. Whatever I sow will be the same nature back. Whatever it is. But for God's prosperity, we have five results. Okay, and I started it out in verse seven is that God has a special affection, a special love for a cheerful giver. You got that? Now, that's an amazing verse if you really think about it, because God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. Okay, so he has this love for his creation. Amen. Okay, but he has a perfect love for his people. Correct? And all of them are there. But he has a special affection for those who are cheerful in their giving. Okay, and the word there is hilarious. They're hilarious in their giving. And you know, people say, man, you can't just keep talking about giving. I got two chapters here. What do you think? I didn't write it. So there's some here that we need to learn. And I told you guys a couple of months ago that this is going to test your faith. And you can sit and smile at me. Oh, yeah. But I'm going to ask you, are you sacrificially, generously meeting the needs that the pulpit has presented to you? Or are you sowing sparingly? Are you sowing bountifully? Now, I don't know. I mean, I don't get a, a credit report on you people. I don't know what you do. I know what I give. Okay. And I know if it starts going down, that Stephanie informs me. She never tells me if it's going up. I don't know what that means. But if it's going down, she's like, you may not get a paycheck this month. You're like, oh, great. 
So, and, and I've had a few of those. But I, I share that because there is that special affection that God gives and it is out of your heart. What have you purposed in your heart? Okay. There's no pain to it because you'll be a cheerful giver. There should be no pressure to it. It should be done f- freely and it should be done joyfully. It should be a passion. I mean, the Macedonians were begging to give more. Here is her. I've never run into anybody begging to give more. I probably have a coronary. What? <laughs> Jesus, is that the big one? <laughs> what is this? God loves those in a special way. Okay? Giving is voluntary. Giving is personal. It's between you and the Lord. Okay? It has to be done with no reluctance. has to be done with joy. And it's special love to that believer who does it. The fullness of God's love will be experienced by the cheerful giver. Jude says, keep yourself in the love of God. Find out who God loves and why he loves. Okay. And you've got. Let me show you some stuff on this because it still freaks me out at times when I kind of deal with this. The letter to the Ephesians chapter three, verses 18 and 19. Paul's prayer for the church in Ephesus is that the Holy Spirit would strengthen them in the inner man. Okay. So that Christ would dwell in their hearts through faith. Why does he want Christ to dwell in their hearts through faith? That they may be able, verse 18, be able to comprehend with all of the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, the depth, and to know the love of Christ. Now, here's the key, which surpasses knowledge. I love that. You will know that that can't be known. (laughs) That should rock your universe. You'd be filled up with all the fullness of God. We should have a passion in our souls more than any single thing to be in that place. To know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge should be our passion. And it is fleshed out through our giving. You want to know the fullness of the love of God? Then so bountifully. So bountifully. The second thing we were looking at was the generosity that is from God. Verses 8 to first part of 11. How does God show that love? How does it seem it? Do, do you get a heavenly attaboy? Well... If, if you just look at it, I mean, there's just some small things like the God of infinite grace will cause grace to abound in you. Uh, you know what grace is, right? Unmerited favor. So infinite grace that God is will only abound to the cheerful believer, cheerful giver. You'll have all sufficiency. All sufficiency is a term in the original language that says absolute all contentment. Contentment. Nobody here's ever worried, have you? That's good. I didn't get one amen out of that. All right. 
You never worried. Because see, if you worry, you're saying I'm not content. But I can tell you how to be content. Do you trust it? How would you like to wake up tomorrow morning and say, I'm not worried about nothing. Why? Because all of grace is abounding to me. And I have all sufficiency. Why? Why? He's able. See, I told you guys, this is going to grow your faith. If not, you're going to have road rash. Either way, you'll end up growing. It's just, how hard do you want to make it? Did I tell you that you will also abound in everything? You know what everything is, right? That would be everything. Well, because if you're content and you're abounding in grace, then you are in everything. Have an abundance in all and everything And God will restore everything that you give lovingly and generously. And it will be poured into your lap running over. Okay. Do you believe that? Careful how you ask. (laughs) Answer that. Why? He is able to do what he has promised. Verse 6. You sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. But I also understand God is able listen do you understand what this says you can never it's absolutely impossible to give too much now think about that for a second because that that in there you know i was pondering that i had to take a walk down the little bike trail on that one i just said oh dude wait a minute i better go down here and see if the wind's blowing through my head You will always have more grace than you will ever have gifts. And you will have a contentment that man cannot produce. It's impossible. And he is going to give and he is able to give. And you will have an abundance. And you will have an abundance for one very good reason. The single point. For which good deed? Every good deed. God makes us proper for the one purpose that we can continue to give. That's an amazing thing if you think about it. When God knows you have it in your heart to be generous. This is between you and God. Now listen, it's not your husband. It's not your wife. It's not your kids. This is between you and God. When God looks in your heart and says this is a generous person who wants to be sacrificial he gives it back multiplied so that you can keep doing more same letter to the ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 for we are his workmanship created in christ jesus for what for good works oh did you read the rest of it which he prepared Beforehand, he put it in your heart to be generous and sacrificial. Why? So that you can give more and be more generous and more sacrificial. Why? Because he can keep pouring it back into your lap. So you can continue to multiply your good deeds. 
Do you uh, remember the parable of the four soils? One soil is rocky and the birds eat it up. One is gets a little root into it but burns up in the sun. Remember that one? It's funny because I watch Christians a lot and they think that they are out there with some kind of hammer or hoe or plow trying to beat up the ground to get this thing in, you know, to get it to do something. And if you're really honest with yourself, that ain't what you're supposed to be doing. It fits this text. You are to be sowing. Whatever happens to the seed is whose responsibility? God's. Where do you get the seed? God. Did he provide it? Yes. He causes the cause. He causes the effect. And some of it finds deep root and does what? Multiplies a hundredfold. And we all smile. Yes, amen, brother. And I'm going to ask a simple question. Are you throwing a seed out or a handful of seed out? Because if you throw the handful out, you know what happens? You get more. And you throw it out. Go back to our text. Verse 11. He will enrich you in almost everything. He will enrich you in everything. Why? So you can be more generous. Why? I don't want you consuming it on yourselves. And I will multiply it once self is removed. The generous heart of a believer. You know what that reflects? The believer's redeemer. Did you know that? You know that's not of our nature, right? I just wanted you to know that. It reflects the generous heart of an awesome God through the redeemed believer, which brings me to the glory of God. And we'll pick it up at the second part of 11. Which through us, okay, the through us there would be Paul and his entourage, is producing what? To who? Corinth, your giving, your liberality through us is producing thanks. Partly because of the integrity of the stewardship. But then you can say, but we are going to take this offering to Jerusalem because the saints down there are starving. They're in bad shape. And when I take it to them, what will they do? They will give thanks to God. They will worship God. They will exalt God. When their needs are met through the believers, that conduit, that channel, the gifts that are going to be given, it will produce what? True worship and thanksgiving To God. Those who receive the gift will praise and thank 
God. Why? A Christian should know that every good and every perfect gift comes from where? From God. You can back up just a little bit and I'll show you. Chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. Now, brother, I wish to make known to you the what? The grace of God, which has been given to the churches where? In Macedonia, the great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy, their deep poverty overflowed with the wealth of their liberality. What? The grace of God in the midst of their persecution and their suffering in Macedonia rose up. God multiplied it and took it to Jerusalem and Jerusalem saints said, look what God did. That's amazing. They're having a tough time. Churches of Macedonia were persecuted. They were, uh, a lot of it was in slavery. The, the mines and the refineries that were going on in that area uh, was run by the Romans. And basically, uh, if you remember the old song, they owed their soul to the company store. And yet they were sacrificial in their giving be, to the point where they were actually, even in their affliction, begging Paul to help more. Why? God had moved on their hearts. God had purposed in their hearts. And that was reflected in what they were giving. And Paul is sharing this. Can you believe it? Look what the Macedonians did. And then you go down to Corinth. And Corinth was classified as free Greeks. They were all rich. Entrepreneurs. And they were well off. God moved in their hearts. And it was not normal. Nor was it natural. Most people that I know, I'm not here to offend, give of their riches or out of their riches. Because I know what the natural response is. I told you about that one time. I had a $10 bill and a $100 bill. I reached in my pocket because the guy needed money and I gave him the 10 but I didn't look. And I had to live two weeks on a $10 bill. And God provided. Now listen, I had not purposed that in my heart. But God said, see, that didn't hurt so bad. And I was like, sure it didn't. When are you going to sell that cow on a thousand hills? Or <laughs> that, that hill on a thousand cows or whatever that is. God moved in their hearts. It's not normal. There are times we are generous. Isn't there? How many times are we sacrificial in our generosity? That's what Paul's getting to. As you've purposed in your heart. Anything that is a kind of generosity is expressed from a believer to another believer. Um, who gets the thanks? God does. You know, I look at some of these guys that we support in other countries and, and I look at, you know, I was thinking about Valeri or Alexander or golly, all of them actually. They live in three rooms. Three rooms. And you would swear that these people had palaces. And you got to understand, one of the rooms is a bathroom. One of the rooms is a kitchen. 
And I, and I remember going to Valeri's apartment. He says, I want you to come see my home. God has been so gracious. Look at what he's got. He had two teenage sons, a teenage daughter, a wife, and a mother-in-law living with him. And I'm like, well, that's cozy. Have you ever been in a camper where they, they've got the toilet and the shower and you just kind of stand on the toilet and take a shower? That's what they have in their house. And you would have thought that this man had a palace. You figure that we can give them $300 a month and meet all of their needs for the month. Do you live on $300 a month? So do you see why God has blessed us? I remember Pastor Paul one time, and he says, well, how can I pray for your country? And I said, fervently, no. Um, he said, well, what about revival? I said, the only way that the country is going to be come back to the, to the king is, is, going, is if we're crushed. And, and I don't think it would be a military thing. I think it has to be financial. He said, well, I can't pray for that. I said, what do you mean you can't pray for that? He asked me what to pray for. And he says, because right now the church in America has the ability to impact the entire planet because of their finances. And it's a tragedy that we don't. Because we've got a few dollars. I mean, I can even look and think of our small congregation. We've got money. Okay, I, I know there's times you don't feel like it, but I think if you're honest with your stewardship, um, there's probably a handful of things that you could probably live a little less with. All right. I still don't know why anybody give that much money for a Starbucks. It's a cup of coffee. I don't know. I can, you know, I can make like 10 pots for what you'll get one of those for. All right. The more touched by the giving, the more thanks will be given unto God. They celebrate God. I just got a, a letter and some pictures. I'll have to print them out from Pastor Philip. And he was speaking of the grace of God and the thanksgiving of the saints in India. And you see all of that stuff that they're doing. They are... Uh, is it Pastoon? Yeah, Pastoon. They've gotten the Bible translated now into Pastoon. And they're going to try to get it into Pakistan. You know what? When I look at this and I, and I, and I think about this verse here, it says, which through us, Paul, meaning that was the vehicle, is producing What? Thanksgiving to God. Can can you really think of a greater purpose than to have people that you have touched financially giving thanks to to God? Do you know how many people we're going to see in heaven who have been baptized because this little church gave money? You ever thought about that? 758 last year. 758. And listen, their baptisms ain't like ours. Okay? You got to go through the grilling. <laughs> That's what I call it. The grilling. 
Okay? Because you have to be able, and that, that's what I do. It's, it's, when I, a person wants to be baptized, you gotta tell me why. And if it's not biblical, I'm not gonna baptize you. If you can't, if you can't explain that to me, you don't need to be baptized. Well, that's mean. No, it's not. It's the same thing as salvation. How do you know you're saved? Well, how dare you ask me that? Well, better me than him. I mean, if he looks you in the face and says, how do you know you're saved? You've got problems. See what I mean? There is no greater purpose. Why? Because it brings thanks to who? God should be praised. God should be thanks. And that is the reason. Do you understand? Do you you understand how important this is? Let me give you a verse that I bet you thought of, forgot about. How important is it that people thank God for what they have? Let me show you how important it is. Verse 21, Romans chapter 1. For even though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks, so they became futile and their speculations and their foolish hearts are darkened. That's kind of important. Why? That is God's condemnation and lack of gratitude. The people who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ are not thankful. If you've ever had kids, why do we have to teach our kids to say thank you? It's not their nature. It's not their nature. There is no greater purpose. I read a quote here and I can't remember who it was. It's got to be either John Calvin or Linsky or MacArthur or Zodiades. But I thought this was very appropriate. Quote, the human race is a thankless child. Unquote. And when... Believers give to assist other believers. The believers who receive do what? Thank God. And out of that heart of gratitude comes a true heart of worship and praise and exaltation to our Redeemer. That's amazing. Do you understand that when people don't thank God, it offends Him? How bad he takes vengeance on them? How many receive the blessings of this world and never say thank you? Second Corinthians chapter four, we've dealt with this at length, but I'll go back and remind you. Beginning in verse 9, Paul speaking of his eight, that we are a treasure in an earthen vessel and his ministry. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be manifest in your bodies. Verse 11, 
For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Christ, the life of Jesus, also may be manifest in our mortal flesh. So death works in us, but life in you. You get that? Why are you putting up with all of this? Any moment you can die, you're being handed over for death every day. You're afflicted, you're crushed, you're persecuted, you're hated, you're despised. Why would you continue? Because I preach Christ and Him crucified so that the people who hear it and believe do what? They thank God. And they worship God. Even if it means I'm afflicted, crushed, perplexed, despairing, I will not cease. That's what I tell people. They say, well, do you believe you're going to go through the tribulation? I said, no. They said, well, why not? I said, because I'm not going to shut up. They may try to crush me. They may try to afflict me. Verse 15 of that text says, for all things are for your sake So that the grace which is spreading to more and more people may cause the giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. Seems really straightforward, doesn't it? You know what I'm running into here? A primary issue. I remember a guy telling me that. When you're exegeting a text, find the primary issue. (laughs) Well, all right. (laughs) God is glorified when men thank him. They will thank him when they hear the gospel and they believe. That is why I preach. That is why I teach. That is why Paul preached. That is why men who truly understand who God is won't shut up. Why? Because if that person hears and they believe, who do they give thanks to? God. And you know what? That makes him happy. And that puts you into a special place of his affection. I preach that you may believe, and in believing you will thank God. And when you thank Him, you bring Him glory, and that is everything. That is the whole kit and caboodle right now. Paul is preaching the gospel so that more and more and more people can glorify God with their thanksgiving. And they're getting more and more and more impact because the churches were gathering up money so that they could help the Christians who were struggling. The more you give, the more God gives back. The more He gives back, the more we are able to give more. And when we are able to give more, we will invest in the kingdom and it will support God's people. And guess what happens? They thank God. And in that gratitude, they worship God. And in that gratitude and worship, they exalt God. And God receives the honor that is due Him. Golly, it is so cool. (laughs) The more we give, the more we touch. 
Do you ever think about that? You have the possibility of reaching 400 kids this summer who have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't know whether it is thorny soil. I don't know whether it is hard soil. I don't know what it is. I ain't called to that. I'm called to sow. You know what? I've been over there in the summer. They've got mosquitoes the size of bombers. They can drain you with one swoop. If the Russians can do this without me going over there being eaten, I'm in. All right. I remember one night I left my window open on my apartment. It was a little hot and I thought the little buggers were going to carry me off. They were everywhere and I thought this is insane. I had to go sit in the bathroom. I don't want to go through that. So I invest in them. So I invest in them. Why? They're doing it. They're taking the word. Same thing Pastor Phillips doing. I should go over and talk to the Taliban and tell them to repent. What do you think? Talk about a short sowing season. Right? Yeah, that'd be a good idea. Iman, come here. Do you want to go to Burma? If you do, I will give you some pictures of the roads. Okay? I'll give you a picture of the roads in the dry season. I'll give you a picture of the roads in the rainy season. Knock yourself out. Okay? And then I won't even show you the pictures of them getting ready to eat chicken. Okay? Because that is not Kentucky Fried Chicken. Well, they've got rats in Kentucky Fried Chicken. It'd be better. Okay? Because they go out and kill them. We want chicken? Come on. Pick one. Great. I mean, even if you go to Red Lobster and get a live lobster, they take it in the back. Okay? And then you just get the tail. There we go. Good lobster. Okay? You want that? Go for it. Every time we give a nickel, it is touched... Our giving is touched and it gives more glory to God. That's the key to this verse right here. Then he expands it in verse 12. And I'll pick that up next week. The ministry of this service is not only fully supplying the needs of the saint, but it is overflowing through the what? So what you see is you want to see prosperity. There's five things you can look for. One is a special love from God. Two, you will see the generosity that comes from God. And you will see in that giving and that prosperity glory back to God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the Corinthians. Thank you for the Macedonians. Father, and thank you for the precious saints around the world who give sacrificially. Father, I pray for each of my brothers and sisters this day that they have a desire to step into that special relationship, that special affection, that, Father, that they would be cheerful givers. And, Father, if, if, uh, if their faith is a little trepid, Father, may they test you. And, Father, may they stand back and see the thanksgiving and glory going unto you. Father, thank you.
thank you for your salvation. But Father, I think about it today that you put each of us here for a time such as this in a, in a nation as rich as this nation. And Father, may we be busy about our Father's work that your will be done. Father, help us. Help us to be overwhelmed by the urgency of the day. But Father, also help us to understand that you have a plan, your good deeds, your good works that you preordained. Thank you, my Father. Thank you, my King. Thank you, my Savior. In Christ's name, amen.